I love that I have this opportunity to work on something that I helped to build, that I've been able to return as a really different businesswoman, as a different woman, in a totally different version of myself, and that I get to grow the business from this place. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. If you are brand new to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited that you're here. I'm so happy that you are joining me, that you are joining us. This week's episode is a really fun one, and it's one of those conversations where I truly lost track of time. And it's probably one of my favorite conversations so far. On the podcast this week is Melissa Palmer, the CEO of Osea Malibu. And I loved getting to know Melissa and learning more about her and the Osea story. She is such a kind and inspiring woman and leader. And it was honestly such an honor to be her first podcast. Today's episode is really a behind-the-scenes look at the incredible family story behind Osea and how it started. It actually goes back generations to Melissa's great-grandmother, and Melissa shares this incredible story of how she had this dream that the ocean would heal her, and the rest is sort of history. I can't wait for you guys to hear this. And we also chat about what it was like for Melissa growing up with a bathtub always full of seaweed and watching her mother really be this innovative visionary in this space. We also talk about working and collaborating together as a family, transitioning from a one-woman show to having a successful team, and her favorite part about running Osea. We also had a wonderful conversation about confronting and pushing past moments of self-doubt, tapping back into our creativity and, and letting go of perfectionism. Melissa has always been one to try anything in the realm of personal growth. And so it was so much fun to talk to her about her self love and self care journey and the practices that she's put into place for herself. And, and so I can't wait for you guys to hear those. On a personal note, I've been using Osea's products for a while now and transitioning to natural, organic, and plant-based products has been a year-long journey that I'm still tweaking, but Osea and their products honestly have become staples in my self-care and skincare routine. And so to have the ability to invite Melissa onto this podcast and to have this conversation with her has got to be one of my favorite moments um, since starting this podcast. And so it's so much fun for me to be able to have these conversations and share these conversations with you um, that I get to have with people that inspire me. And so I know that you guys are going to love today's episode and Melissa and Osea are offering Seek the Joy podcast listeners free standard shipping on all U.S. orders. So just head to their website, oseamalibu.com, find some products that you love and enter the code SEEKTHEJOY at checkout to receive that free shipping. And as always, to learn more about today's episode and if you forget the code and want to find it, you can head over to the show notes section of our website, seekthejoypodcast.com slash show dash notes, and everything is right there. 
So before we dive in to today's episode, I want to share the iTunes review of the week. And this one comes from T. Torgerson and it says, amazing. Okay, I just absolutely love this podcast, the topics, the quality, the message. I love it all. Sydney gets so real, honest, and vulnerable. Such a great listen. And I'm definitely adding this to my weekly list. Okay, T. Torgerson, thank you so much for this kind review and for taking a couple of minutes to rate and review Seek the Joy podcast. If you've been enjoying this podcast and feel so inspired to leave a rating and review on Apple iTunes, I would be so grateful. Just make sure to take a screenshot of your review and send it to sydney at seekthejoypodcast.com. And as a way to say thank you, I will send you my guide for infusing more joy into your life, as well as a couple of limited edition seek the joy podcast stickers all right guys that's it i can't wait to hear what you think about today's episode so without further ado here is my conversation with melissa i'm so excited to be on my first podcast well, I'm so excited <laughs> to be the first one. Yes, my, my pre-podcast nerves. So I currently run a company called OSEA, which means Ocean, Sun, Earth, and Atmosphere, which is a line of natural seaweed-based um, seaweeds and essential oils, skincare, and body care products that my mom formulated. And we've been around, which is so crazy to think, 22 years. Wow. So to date myself, I started it in high school with my mom. And um, we have just been plodding along for the first couple of decades as the weirdos into natural beauty. And obviously, the environment has completely changed around us. And we're now almost in startup mode because we've gone from this really slow growing company to rapid growth over the past couple of years. Yeah. And it is so cool to see that growth and to see the changes. And so it obviously really started with your mom. What has it been like for you to watch her start and grow the company and to even have a mom in that entrepreneurial space so early on? Well, I think there's a so many factors. One thing that's been really interesting as I've gotten older, as my perspective has changed, I've really realized how unique she actually is yeah. because we just grow up in our realities and totally take them at face value. And she really has been such a pioneer and so committed to something outside of the norm pretty much our entire my entire life. She was originally um, a healer. She is a cranial sacral therapist. She helped to create um, a healing modality called polarity therapy and essentially just raised us as like the total weirdo hippies. (laughs) We slept outside, which I have to say she was completely right about. But we had a co-op we because you there was literally no whole foods so we'd have to get our food delivered on this big 16 wheel truck oh my gosh um which was such an ordeal in the neighborhood and then we just had buckets of tofu and bags of carrots so <laughs> everything around growing up with her has shifted in perspective because at first we were just like oh my god what are you doing you're crazy sort of that like typical juvenile embarrassment mm-hmm. and then, I, you know, I was always interested in business and wanted to join her in the business. And even in the business sense, I didn't even realize in the beginning how unique 
she is in her unwavering and really just such a clear commitment. The way that she actually started the product technically started on our commune, which was a healing retreat center. That's where she originally practiced all of um, the different healing modalities. And we ended up as a group moving into a property that had an old spa. And she decided to take on the spa. It was a really amazing Mineral Springs resort. And um, she will always say she's the least likely person in the world to start a beauty company because her idea of skincare previously was water and maybe a little almond oil. So when she took on the project of starting the spa, she realized she had to get products to do treatments. And so every rep from every different brand came to pitch her. And she just sat there and listened to their story while pretty much only doing one thing, which was looking at the ingredients. And she noticed a couple of different things. The first is that whether a product was $5 or $50, the ingredients were almost virtually the same. The box and the branding and the packaging was different. The second thing she noticed is that was filled with a lot of ingredients she wouldn't put in her body. So she just thought, well, I'm not putting this on my body. So she decided to do her own really basic ingredients. And this was, I think, about 40 years ago. And she made her really simple products that she would make up in batches and put in the refrigerator. And the spa all of a sudden started getting just this cold following. So she knew she was onto something. We ended up moving. Um, We went our separate ways. And she just kept tinkering and blending. And so we really grew up with bathtubs full of seaweed, essential oils, just like permeating the whole house. And her whole idea was always going back to those two initial things she noticed, which is what if we created a company and spent all the money on ingredients, not the packaging, mm-hmm. not the marketing, and underlying the most important aspect was these ingredients are so dangerous and it's preying upon women. And she always just wanted to see like what kind of results we could create naturally. So that was just like our reality growing up. We reeked of essential oils and it was like, it was just, my poor little brother really took the brunt of it because it was okay as a girl, but this is just what we grew up with. I love this because I think, you know, it's so funny as kids, we grow up and we're always self-conscious of our parents and their quirks and the things that they do. And we're always pretty insecure about those things. So the fact that that this was your reality that you grew up with seaweed in the bathtub. I just, I love this. I love that it was your normal. And so now to really be at the forefront of this movement of natural skincare, natural beauty, being aware of the things we put on our bodies and in our bodies and removing toxins and and really advocating for women within this space. I just, I really love the trajectory that that you've been on. Yeah, I I really give all all the credit to my mom because her vision and just every different year, every week, every new trend, I, I haven't seen one in health and wellness that she wasn't ahead of. You know, she was growing our kombucha probably 15 years, 25 years. I don't even know how long ago. It's it's really led the way for us personally, the company, our whole family. I love this because your mom has really set you all up for this path and this journey. And it is so cool to hear you reflect on it. So 
what would you say is the biggest lesson or, or even the biggest takeaway from watching your mom really be this innovative visionary in this space? I would say there's probably two lessons. Um, the first is really in how we do business. Mm-hmm. And she is so much more committed to kindness and the, she likes to call it the power of nice. And I think like in our really fast pace world with everything moving so quickly, I constantly would judge her for moving so slowly. And we found a nice balance between us. But underneath everything, she's just continually been so kind. And not only does it feel better, but I've also watched it come back to the company in uncountable ways. And so I think that power of just constantly being nice and kind and honest and really staying committed to those key attributes has a lot more power in business than I think they're given. I would say that's probably the biggest lesson. And the second one is really sticking to your instincts. Mm-hmm. There have been a, and this is really manifested for us in products. I spent years saying to my mom, you know, we have to do more product testing. Um, And that was like in terms of like market testing, seeing if something fit into what the market wanted. And she really finally pointed out to me is that you don't follow the market, you actually create it. So to say it another way, we have a cleanser that's so active and really tingles your face. And after all these years of saying, oh, we need to do things more like everyone else. She said, if we would have tested this product, customers would have said, this is too strong and we would have toned it down. And now it's our top seller because we were actually able to create something customers didn't know they needed. So really sticking to that intuition and sticking to what we know that customers need versus responding. Yeah, that's so interesting that you bring that up because I think it can be so hard to trust your instincts, especially when they go against the market trend or when they go against what maybe someone else is doing. How have you been able to trust your instincts and stay true to your brand and mission in those moments? Well, I would say... First of all, I don't know if I have a choice not to because it seems like every time I don't, I just get a nice big slap in the face and a reminder of like, nope, because it's it's so interesting when I look back and I find this with most people, when we look back on something that happened that we perceived to be a disruptive occurrence or something more negative, in retelling it, there's usually that moment when I always say, you know, I had a feeling or... I wasn't sure. And I've just found that I get reminded all the time that that moment is really what to listen to. As well as, you know, I leaned a lot more into my own personal style and feeling a lot more confident that my style of leadership, of business, the way I operate is what got us here. So I just have to trust that and lean more into who I am. Yeah. And developing that trust, I think can be so difficult. So how have you been able to develop that personal style for yourself, both in terms of how you run your life and your business and really begin to lean into it? Um, Well, I guess the fair thing would be to say that I will try or do anything in the realm of personal growth. It's just been like my number one hobby of any way that I can grow and expand, I'll try it. 
which has led me to some very weird experiences. <laughs> yeah. But all in the, but all bringing me where I am. Um, I would say in large part through trial and error from finding other leaders that I really admire. And I think one of the things that I like so much about business is it reflects so well where I am personally in my life. And so I find it to be something that calls my higher self out often. Mm. So a lot of what I've really focused on is if something was going wrong in the business or if something was sealed off, it always starts with me. Um, and so I have looked at a lot of different personal growth tools for how they, they expand my leadership abilities. Yeah, what you just said about your business being a reflection of your personal life and your relationships, it's so fascinating how that personal growth and what you do on a daily basis to work on yourself, it's its so fascinating how that's then reflected in every aspect of your life. And you touched a little bit on trial and error. What has been something that you've tried that's worked really well for you? And then maybe on the flip side, something that just failed. It was just not a good choice. It just didn't work out. So one thing you said that I have to respond to is the aspect of relationship. I'm not in a relationship right now. And I think that that's really magnified how much Mm -hmm. the business is a relationship and how much I've found very similar kinds of challenges and growth in the business relationship that I've had in my romantic relationships and friendship relationships. So I would say something that has really shifted my success and growth rate in the past couple of years is really letting go of perfectionism. Mm -hmm. I heard this expression, mediocrity makes money, which is a great balance to my perfectionism because I've spent years wanting to do everything perfect um, to just really get things right before they were done. And I've really found that getting things done is usually what leads us to the next step. So really leaning into just getting somewhere to get to the next place. And that's been a really big transformation for me. That piece about letting go of perfectionism, it's something that can be so hard to do, but so important to talk about. And this is something that I think about constantly, like how in my own life do I overcome this element of perfectionism? Because I'm the exact same way. I'll work on something for forever. And then it's like, okay, Sydney, you have to publish it. You have to put it out into the world. And so how have you been able to let go of that perfectionism for yourself? Well, I'm a pretty analytical person. And so I actually had a really tangible result where the first breakthroughs in this area started was in email marketing. So we put together an email and I didn't like the colors. I didn't like the words. I could just obsess about it for days. And the first time I did this was like such a light bulb. I sent out the one I didn't think I liked. And then I sent out the one that I put hours and hours of time and dollars into fixing and A-B tested them. And the difference was so minuscule, so I kept doing it. And half the time, the first version that I didn't think was perfect enough actually did better. Oh, wow. So that was kind of my real wake-up moment 
of, you know what, let this go, let it be done, move on to the next thing. So that has really permeated into a lot of different areas. This really reminds me of something my mom said to me last week about how I'm really the only one that really hears those little mistakes that's not perfect maybe within a recording. And it was a really good reminder for me to let go and loosen the reins on that perfectionism a little bit. And it's really interesting, I think, how we see and hear so much that maybe others may not see because we're always going to be probably the most critical of our own work. Yeah, it's really a conscious practice for me to measure for what's right because I'm just naturally programmed to measure for what's wrong. So speaking of how we're programmed, did you always know you wanted to go into business? I mean, I don't, I don't even think I knew there was a choice not to be in business. I started out very entrepreneurially with my lemonade stand business. Um, (laughs) And then from the ages of like 10 to 14, I had a subcontracted paper route. So I had multiple routes and I had people doing aspects of it. I was really recently looking at my social security findings and saw how much money I was making those years, which was insane. I would pay to go to summer camp each year, which was my favorite thing. And so I would raise like five to $8,000 a year on these paper routes to go to summer camp. And then I just kept doing things. We were constantly encouraged to be entrepreneurs. And I think from those early little tastes of business, I had what I now realize to be a healthy, very nicely <laughs> inflated sense of confidence Yeah. that when my mom had her products finally done, I thought, well, I'm good at business. I'll come in and do that with you. So Turned out there was a lot to learn, but I just couldn't imagine doing anything else. Yeah. Oh, I love this. It sounds like really from the beginning, you've had an entrepreneurial spirit and that your mom really encouraged it. I didn't realize the subtle ways we were encouraged. My brother had a really booming beanie baby business. And to me, it just seemed like a given that our mom would be, you know, Putting her, she worked really hard and raised us as a single mom. Earning money um, in the healing arts is a lot of work, but she had her schedule mapped out that Beanie Baby release day, she was there to take him to the store. So it was just constantly encouraged. And I don't think I realized till much later in life the impact that that had. Well, it obviously had a really strong impact because now you are running Osea. <laughs> so what is your favorite part about it? So I have so many favorite parts. Um, I think one thing that I forgot to mention is I started this company with my mom in high school, did it throughout college. We grew really slowly. And um, then I discovered a passion, which I didn't know I had, for hula hooping. I'm not sure if you've seen hoop dancing. And I just got completely addicted to hula hooping. And I'll make a long story short. I ended up um, helping to start a hula hoop company, which grew massively. So I, just about 10 years ago, after spending maybe a little longer now, um, so much time growing Osea, I left. In that time prior, the 10 years, I hadn't done anything else but work with my mom. Sometimes we'd have an employee or two, and we just generally figured things out ourselves. Then I had this experience with the hula hoop company, which grew so massively. I like to say that I went to business school. I had everything from that moment where it was on Good Morning America and we sold a million dollars worth of product that was handmade and we didn't have 
to, you know, just the roller coaster. I had a lot of new experiences. And when I came back to OSEA, kind of deciding what I wanted to do. And I came back to the business and I learned all about digital marketing, social media, and started tinkering a little bit. And this really ties back to the thing that I love the most, which might be kind of a weird thing to love about <laughs> business. But I love that I have this opportunity to work on something that I helped to build, mm-hmm. that I've been able to return as a really different businesswoman, as a different woman, in a totally different version of myself, not totally, but transformed in a lot of ways, and that I get to grow the business from this place. So it's crazy. You know, it's, I sometimes will look at systems and be like, who thought of this? It's like, oh, I did it 20. Um, now I get to grow this and evolve it. So I, I really love that aspect. And I love working with my family. Um, the business has grown. So we actually have a team and an office and totally different reality than when we were in my living room and my mom's living room. But my stepsister, my stepdad also work in the business. And I love working with my family. It's certainly incredibly challenging. And when there's emotions and passion, it's all completely amplified. But it's taught me so much about myself. And we spend so much of our day working that it's such a treat to get to do it with the people I love the most. It's so special. And just the ability to do this with your family and to watch it grow together as time has gone on. And I love that you had this big passion for hula hooping. I mean, come on, <laughs> no one would know this. And so do you still have a passion for hula hooping? Is it is it just as strong now? I have actually moved on to a new one. I do love hoop, but I've now completely addicted to five rhythms dance. Oh, which is a similar movement practice to hula hooping, but it's um, uh, it's a non-instructed dance practice where um, the thing you could liken it to the most to the most would be something like ecstatic dance. But I found a new way to move. There's just no hula hoop involved. <laughs> I love this, and I love how really the things that we've been passionate about, you know, throughout our entire lives. I love how they have this way of finding us again, but maybe just in in different forms. And this reminds me too of what you just said about returning to the business um, after being away from it and coming back and and seeing it evolve and watching yourself evolve with it. I don't know. I think it's this really it's a really fantastic thing to reflect on and be part of. Yeah, you know, having your own business is, I feel like, such an extension of yourself. Oh, definitely. That it's pretty amazing to also experience transformation and growth in business as well. Yeah, and I think too, you know, within those moments of transformation and growth, there's doubt and dealing and overcoming self-doubt. And so since you've returned, have there been moments of self-doubt that you've been able to push through and overcome? An hour ago, three hours ago, (laughs) (laughs) yesterday, the day before, (laughs) so much self-doubt. There's so many times of the day when I just want someone to tell me what to do. Right. Yes. So, but I think it's like a muscle. The more I exercise listening to my intuition, the more I exercise asking for help, the more, and that can be from anyone from our team who I have to say, I learn 
so much from them um, or asking help from someone who's more experienced or just taking the time to be quiet and reflect on the situation. It's just such a practice. But the self-doubt, I think it gets less and less, but I'm not sure if it ever goes away. Yeah, I agree. I think it's definitely a muscle that you have to work on and get a little bit more practice exercising it and pushing through those strong moments of discomfort. And I think so many of us really look outside of ourselves for help and assistance. I mean, all the time I want someone to tell me how to handle something. Just just tell me what to do, you know, just tell me which direction to go in. But we really have to figure out those things for ourselves and totally. kind of taking all of this into account and with everything that you have going on, how do you find balance? How do you balance it all? Well, finding balance is a constant reset for me. Um, I have a couple of tools that I find really helpful. So underlying everything I do is my self-care practice. And the minute that that starts to go out of whack, I see it trickle down everywhere in my life. Mm -hmm. So I feel extra incentivized to take care of myself, not just because it feels good, but because I also really see the value. So I have um, a daily checklist of the self-care that I'm currently working on. I found an app. There's tons of habit-making apps now. I think the one I use is called Way of Life. And I I probably edit the list once a month or if there's a new habit I want to create. And at the end of each day, I go through my checklist. Did I meditate? Did I move for at least 30 minutes? Did I take care of my dog? You know, whatever it is, I'm working on training my dog right now. Everything that's really feeding my Mm self-care, I look at that list. And then at the end of the week, I have a score. And I can go through each week and track how I felt. And it's pretty directly correlated to that list. Okay. I love this. So when did you start incorporating this self-care checklist into your life? Probably about six months ago. And have you seen a huge difference by relying on it and making sure that you're holding yourself accountable in this way? I have to say some habits have been easier to build than others. But one example of a total transformation for me has been supplements. I am like the queen of purchasing supplements and my follow through and taking them <laughs> had previously fallen rather short. And my morning and my evening supplements were um, something on my checklist. And I noticed consistently that I was really scoring low on those. So I found a solution. I found this really cute little jar that has each day of the week separately and found that was something that helped it just be easier for me. And I I now, every day, I would say, if I, I pretty much get every morning and every evening. So I was going to say it's like my score of 14 for the week. It's surprising if I get below a 13. And that's totally different for me. I actually have finished bottles of supplements and had to buy new ones. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. Yes. (laughs) And I'll be completely honest because I am like my mom in terms of simple and we don't see, you know, beauties. I don't wear makeup. I don't do any of those things. I had to put my skincare on that checklist too (laughs) because I was even getting a little lazy with that. And that's another thing where it's just great scores. And so... I I think I even stopped tracking those things and I've added new habits on. I've listened to some interesting podcasts around habit formation. And for me, that tracking tool really helped get me to that 
30, 60, however many days, because everyone seems to have a different opinion about it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And it really goes to show that for everything, you know, it really isn't one size fits all. One thing that's also helped me is I, I like to work at night. You know, now we have this office where everyone's there from morning to evening and really structured work hours. And I'm always been used to being a one-woman show. Mm -hmm. My mom and I are separate one-woman shows in our different living rooms where we'd work on our own pace. And I felt like I had to work on those hours. And part of this whole practice for me has been acknowledging sometimes I do really great work at midnight. And that means I might not start first thing in the morning, but I've given myself that freedom to listen to that rhythm and take, I took the judgment out of that. Yeah, we have to take that judgment out of it. And I love what you just touched upon in terms of being a one-woman show and then transitioning to having a team and having a team that works during normal business hours. But for you and your personal style, you work better at night. And so in transitioning from a one-woman show to having a team, have you been able to show yourself more grace and compassion really within that within that transition? Yeah, I would say more so in the past year than ever. But having a staff is also, we're really just two and a half years into that. So that's a totally new reality. Yeah, It's been a huge transition. And I would say that's where a lot of my active learning right now is, is readjusting to what my new role is. I'm used to doing anything and everything. I'll pack boxes. I'll pretend I'm our lawyer. <laughs> and now I'm realizing we have a team of 14 now and there's so smart and so incredibly capable that I'm actually cheating everyone by just saying, oh, no, I'm going to do this myself. So I'm learning bit by bit to let things go and also to find my new role in where I feel connected to the business because that feeling of connection came always from just output, doing everything. And so now I'm finding new ways to participate. Plus, it's a constant practice of letting go. Um, yeah, oh my constant, God. especially when you're used to doing everything and then to let go and let someone else do the social media and, <laughs> and pack the boxes. I the mean, boxes I wasn't so sad about letting go of, I'll be honest, <laughs> but the social media I don't is blame different. you. <laughs> yeah. So now how have you been able to redefine your role for yourself? And, and then within redefining your role, has that really strengthened your connection to Osea? More so than ever do I feel that connection. And I would say really for the first time, I'm starting to feel a little bit of an opening to tap back into my own creativity when the daily day-to-day isn't as dependent on my output. So I think it's really just the beginning of that new chapter. I'd love to follow up in six months. Yeah. (laughs) Let you know what it really looks like. Oh, I would love to too. And I love what you just said. It's so interesting what you just said about tapping back into your creativity because I really do think that it's your creativity and your family's creativity that really has created Osea and your brand and what has really placed you at the forefront of non-toxic beauty and skincare. So what does your creative process look like today? So creativity in the business for me comes out in a lot of different ways. 
Um, but I think the way that it's manifesting the most is in creative solutions and creative ways to grow the business. Um, we have never taken outside funding. We're always growing organically. And that's a pretty unique thing in our space. There's a lot of venture-backed brands. So I found that my creativity is typically comes out in how to grow in trying really crazy or unique things. But its I'll be completely honest, if I seem like I'm stuttering on this question, it's because <laughs> I'm actually trying to understand where this fits in because some of my personal creative expressions are I paint, mm-hmm. I write poetry, and I dance. I've read them. So I'll tell you one way that dances fitting into the business. I've noticed a lot of brands do dinner series or different events, and I'm actually setting up a series of dance classes, Mm. which we're inviting some of the influencers we work with and different entrepreneurs because that's how I like to connect and have fun. Um, So that's one way of infusing my creativity a little bit more into the business. But it's an interesting balance because while I enjoy my own personal expressions of creativity, I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm an amateur painter and I, I'm not a professional poet. So finding ways to bring those into the business is always a dream, but really finding that creative thread and how it applies to business growth is probably where I've been more successful. Yeah, I love how you're you're really figuring out how to bring the ways in which you express your creativity outside of the business and then figuring out ways to bring it into the business and figuring out how to marry the two, I think is something that so many of us struggle with. How do I bring my own voice, my own creative expression into my job, into my business? And I think it's a constant thing that so many of us are working on and struggling with. Now, I have one creative idea that I came up with yesterday, which I'd like to ask anyone listening to this to please make. We have a daily meeting at our office, and we meditate and do our daily priorities and then read a spirit card. Oh, wow. And I have I not that. found the right spirit cards for an office place, and I think that they really have a place yeah, um, definitely. to actually connect everyone and set an intention for the day. So I find that and I was like, hmm, maybe we're going to have to make these if we can't find them. But if someone knows about them, I would love to hear. All right. So if anyone out there, if you know of any good workplace spirit cards. Workplace spirit cards. We need yes, them. Yes. Otherwise, I think you might just have to make them. I, I think we might have that to. That would be amazing. Okay. So then what does your spiritual practice look like? And does it really fall into that self-care too? It definitely does. I would say that dancing and moving is my spiritual practice. My meditative practice is a practice of imperfection. Sometimes my meditation looks like two minutes, but just taking those two minutes is really important. And I think just really trusting in a higher power and staying really committed to service. I think everything, I heard something that Wayne Dyer said in an interview years ago, it was this little snippet I heard, that the way he prepares for every time he speaks, anytime he presents anything, is he lays on his hotel room floor and for 30 minutes 
repeats over and over, how may I serve? How may I serve? How may I serve? Mm. And I've really taken that mantra on. It really inspires me. Yeah, because you really are serving so many with what you're doing and creating and advocating for. And you've become a huge advocate for women and men within the beauty and skincare industry. And so is there one thing that you'd really like to do within that industry in terms of service to change it or or bring more awareness to? I, I have to be honest. I don't know what the actual one thing would be. Yeah. Because it's such a complex industry. Mm-hmm. I could spend another three hours talking about the FDA and beauty and misinformation and the lack of regulation on beauty products specifically. Personal care is almost wholly unregulated in the U.S. And I've been involved in some legislation. I got to go to D.C. and lobby um, at the end of last year, which was really fun. And I think there is a piece of legislation that will get passed this year, um, which is the first piece of cosmetic legislation in nearly 100 years. So I, I think it's really a multitude of things that kind of surround awareness, regulation, information. But if I had just like a magic wand, what I would want to see happen is women who are choosing to use natural products, um, and that's the choice that they're making, I would like them to actually have natural products. And just, I think, regulation on Mm -hmm. labels from the manufacturers to the ingredient manufacturers across the board would change everything. I've seen brands that have been around 15 to 20 years and have changed zero things about their products and just changed it to say natural or organic or something to that effect because they're responding to the demand of consumers. Mm -hmm. And to that same token, I've seen brands that have just stayed completely chemical. And I completely respect that because this might not be something that's important to everyone. Yeah, but it's definitely about giving people that choice. And just like you touched on, and then having that knowledge of what you're actually putting on your body and in your body. 70% of what we put on our body topically is absorbed. Wow. Wow. Okay. So there you go. So to be mindful of that and be mindful of the fact that so much of this is unregulated, so much of the beauty industry, skincare, personal care items for women, it's also unregulated. And I'm just so grateful that we now have these plant-based safe non-toxic alternatives, and even more than that, that these are topics that are being more widely discussed. Yeah, that is definitely the only reason we're doing this. I, following in my mom's footsteps, fall as pretty unlikely to be in beauty as well. We always forget we're in the beauty industry because to us, this is just about health and wellness and self-care. Just a couple of tips that I always like to share. Yes, please. Of anyone seeking to... Um, clean up their products, to make changes. My first biggest piece of advice is always less is more. Think about how many products you're using and how many you actually need. And fragrance is really important to avoid. Um, Fragrance is very unregulated in that you can list perfume, it's a perfume, um, on a label and you don't actually need to write what's in that fragrance. So, 
anything from laundry detergent to I was recently at someone's house that had scented toilet paper, what? and I actually was beside myself. Um, I didn't even know that existed. I didn't either, and I was truly horrified, but I don't think a lot of people think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's unscented dish soap, there's unscented laundry right. soap. That's just a really simple, right. immediate action that you can take that's typically the same price or a little bit less. So it doesn't have to be a radical transformation or something really complex or expensive. Yeah, I think these are all really great tips. And I think so much of it is about breaking it down for ourselves and making small changes and small steps so that it doesn't feel totally overwhelming. And a really good place to start is with your products. So what is one of your favorite Osea products right now? Changes of the week. But right now I have two products I'm completely obsessed with, which is pretty funny because it's our newest product and our very oldest product. So our very first product was, and it's, a, and it's actually still one of our top selling products, is a facial oil called essential hydrating oil. And 20 plus years ago, we couldn't even say the word facial oil because people thought we were totally insane. Like a facial oil wasn't a thing. So that was always packaged in a really small roll-on. And truthfully, when I was younger, I had a little bit more oily, acneic skin, so I never gravitated towards the product. My mom made me my own oily, blemish-prone skin product. So I'd been using those forever. And we just this year repackaged that oil into a larger pump size bottle and I now see what my mom was doing all those years just it is she was living in that product I'm completely addicted um we are the first to say there are no miracles in skincare Mm -hmm. but this product is probably the closest thing to a miracle because when you put the oil on your skin and it's a super concentrated essential oil, so it's pretty light, but there's an instant glow and hydration to the skin, plus it smells really good, um, and so I don't need to wear a perfume, um, mm-hmm. which I wouldn't anyway. So that, and then my other favorite product is called Hyaluronic Sea Serum, and this is a blend of hyaluronic acid, um, My mom's philosophy on product formulation is basically the world doesn't need another blank. So there's so many hyaluronic acid serums out there, and she was like, the world just doesn't need another plain hyaluronic. So she did three different molecular weights of hyaluronic acid that is bound with three different algaes. I didn't even get into our algae source, which is a seaweed co-op that we have in Patagonia. Mm -hmm. Again, another very long (laughs) show. But we hand harvest all of our seaweed there. And so from that, we've created different extracts. So it's three different extracts bound with three different hyaluronics. This launched mid last year, but I can actually say it launched like four years ago in my mom's bathroom and she's been using it on herself forever. I found it and was like, what are you doing? How could you deny us? Um, and it is now our t- number one top selling product. Wow. So, so she was onto something Definitely. for herself and thank goodness that it's now for everyone. Yeah. And she's been onto something from the beginning and so have you. And I'm so glad that you brought up about seaweed because it's such a staple in your products and your brand. And it really ties into my next question, which is about the beach and Malibu and nature. And so what role does all of that play in terms of the joy in your life? So the beaches, my source of inspiration, 
the water specifically. Um, it's my instant mood changer. And that inspiration for the line actually comes from much further back. My great-grandmother started the first polar bear club or one of the first polar bear clubs in the country. Wow. Um, she was also a real pioneer. She was the first female chiropractor in the U.S. and um, she'd injured herself and couldn't see clients and had a dream that the ocean would cure her. And this was on the East Coast in November. Um, okay, freezing. Um, yelled at my great-grandmother <laughs> to take her to the ocean and she started swimming. Wow. And she was healed in a couple of weeks and she swam like 300 days a year. Her definition of a bad day is if the ice was too thick to actually get in. We have these incredible shots of her standing on snowdrifts and her bathing gowns. So there's always been this reverence for the ocean. And she's she has always said, and it's actually part of our brand, is that the ocean is really the source of life. And our tagline, which I definitely years being totally embarrassed about and now love, which is bathe in the sea of life. Hmm. And that's really what the ocean is for us. And I, I challenge anyone to get into the ocean and then come out in a bad mood. It's just an instant uplift. Oh, I totally agree. It really is. And for me, the ocean and the beach and going to the pier and I don't know, it's just become my my thing, my saving grace. So I really resonate with with all of that. So if you could design your perfect Saturday, would it involve the beach? Would it involve the ocean? What would it look like? Well, I would say my last Saturday was nearly perfect. So I'll just do that one. Okay, perfect. Um, so <laughs> I started off my morning at Five Rhythms. And if anyone is in LA or really, if you look on the Five Rhythms website, there's classes throughout the country. Um, and then I went with two of my best friends. We went to Five Rhythms. Then we went and got dim sum, which was delicious. Mm -hmm. Then we came back to Venice, took a walk, and then decided that our feet were feeling very sore. <laughs> so we made a foot bath. And we picked lavender. This was, I feel like, one of my newest hacks. Oh. We picked lavender and rosemary and made a hot bath, which we all sat on. And then I took a five-gallon bucket and filled it with ice and some of our essential oils and put it in the middle of the bathtub so it oh wasn't God. totally full. Just imagine the bucket was yeah. sitting in the middle of the tub. And we did hot to cold baths. Genius. So <laughs> I mean, this was like the most fun thing ever. Yeah. Um, and then we did face masks and then we took a sunset walk on the beach. <laughs> and then I was like, I'm completely high on this being the most perfect day. Right. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Sign me up. I need to do this. This is like the most zen, the most happy, the most <laughs> joyful day the ever. In the tub, I have to say, who knew? Right. It's like, it's, it's like you have a second tub inside. And the hot to cold on the feet was really great. Genius. Okay. So talk about innovative and a visionary, <laughs> even within your own Hacking life. Hacking self-care daily. Okay. That's your new tagline. Hacking self-care daily. I'll take it. <laughs> so in addition to having this wonderful self-care Saturday, are you able to infuse those moments of self-care and joy into your day-to-day -day life? Definitely. I've never worked in another office, yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure what they're like, 
but I feel like we're having just like a ridiculous amount of fun on most days. I've been really trying to incorporate spontaneous dance parties <laughs> at the office. I love it. And I would say I probably make more jokes than I should during serious times <laughs> because it has to be fun. Mm-hmm. I was having a call yesterday with someone who was like, oh, I'm just, you know, having a rough day. They were helping us on a project. And I was like, oh, let me just like tell you some jokes. I mean, I didn't say that, but I just started cracking <laughs> ridiculous jokes, which she couldn't help but laugh. Yeah. I don't know if I'm actually funny, but I just pursue. I persist <laughs> in really bad jokes, and eventually mm-hmm. that does make people laugh. Um, and she laughed, and it just completely shifted the conversation, and then we got back to business. So I really try and keep that in the office. And it is working um, in our two-plus years that we've had a team We've never had anyone leave, which, like, to me is the most – one person moved out of the country. Um, But everyone likes what we're doing enough to stay, and that's, like, what inspires me every day to keep growing and do better and build more. Yeah, you really need to have that fun and that levity. Otherwise, it's too serious, and you don't look forward to coming to work every day. And I don't know if you're a Harry Potter fan, but I always imagine some of these office – environments to be like the dementors or the death eaters like sucking the soul out of someone and true and you can only take that for so long exactly so if you can infuse more fun and jokes and laughter and self-care and mindfulness into the work that you're doing it feels more fulfilling and fun and less death eater like well at the end of the day we are a wellness company Mm -hmm. which is i mean we're much more that than beauty yeah. as we see ourselves. So it's really important that everyone is able to take care of themselves and that we're practicing that on all levels of the business because I think that authenticity really rings true and people can feel that. Um, and that inauthenticity also is felt. You know, <laughs> on the, the just one note about that authenticity, my yeah. mom's number one job is to meditate into the products, which she's been doing for 20 plus years. I so love this. That might be, <laughs> I think that it starts there for us. Yeah. Talk about staying true to who you are and being authentic. <laughs> Every time someone emails and says, gosh, I just could feel the difference. We always have to forward those to her. And I love telling her because that's really what she wants. Oh, I love this. Okay, so what would be your biggest piece of advice for someone who wants to follow their passions and do something that they love the way that you have? I think it would be probably two things, but probably ultimately the same, which is just go for it. And you don't know where it will take you. I have this philosophy that if I repetitively have something I want to do or feel like I just have to do. I have to take action in that direction so that I can find out what's on the other side of it. And sometimes that might be failing at it. Sometimes it might not really even be what I wanted. But if I don't take direction in that, towards that, I just, I don't know what to do next. So if you have an idea, just start taking action towards it. Start making moves, even if it's small steps. And sometimes it takes the pressure off of me to think more about that I'm actually accomplishing something 
just by going towards it versus putting the, the power on the outcome that maybe the outcome is totally unknown, but my but going towards something will take you to what's next. Yeah. And those small steps really add up over time. And, and so much of it is about having the courage to take that initial step. However small. Exactly. And if there's one thing that I've learned, and I'm sure that you can relate to this too, is that we will never know what the whole path looks like. All that you can really do sometimes in any given moment is just take that first step. And then once you do, it's just always so incredible to watch how it unfolds. Yeah, you're you're such a great example of that too. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> and what you're doing to me is so inspiring. Oh, well, you know the feeling I, is definitely as, so mutual. Well, um, maybe we can go to a dance class together sometime. Yes, I think we're going to have to. I was thinking that when you mentioned it earlier. Great. Yes. Well, maybe Saturday we can do a dance class. <laughs> Flash foot back. Um, yes, <laughs> count me in. I would love that. Honestly, I'm up for it. So you just let me know when and uh, I'll be there. Oh, I love this. Okay. So to wrap up this wonderful conversation, what would you say is your biggest dream? Oh, that's a great question. So right now, my biggest dream is to have a family and to find a way to continue growing this business as I grow as I create a family. So that's on my the personal side, really, what I'm looking to create next in my life. Oh, Melissa, I love this. And I can't wait to see your growth and Osea's growth. And I've had the best time chatting with you and learning more. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing so much of the Osea story and your journey. And where can everyone find Osea, find you and, and learn more? Well, aside from dance class, face mask Saturdays. Yes. Um, you can find the products at oseamalibu.com. We're on Instagram um, at oseamalibu. And we're also available in stores and spas across the country. We're at Blue Mercury. We're at Credo, Filane, Detox, all of these wonderful new natural beauty stores. And then you can also seriously indulge in an Osea facial at um, a number of different Four Seasons and Montage hotels across the country and some other incredible spots to go with that. Perfect. And I'll include all of that information in the show notes for today's episode. And thank you so much again. This was this was just such a fun conversation. Honestly, this was so fun. Thank you for being my first podcast. Yes. I want to hang up and immediately get on to another one because this is so much fun. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so honored. Are you kidding? <laughs>